0: It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everyone, welcome to season 2. Season 2 of The Table. Uh we are launching into this next season. We just uh happy new year. Um I am excited. My name's Jason Squires and uh, I get to be a part of these conversations and today we are uh joined by a very familiar voice uh from this from these conversations. Grant Norsworthy. Grant, how's it going? Good. Thanks, Jason. Great to be with you. 2023, hey? 2023. Wow. We did it. We did it. It's a new year. It's, it's a good to be year. talking to you. You got to the new year before we did because well, yes, because you're not in
1: the U S that's right. I mean, New Zealand, which is actually close to the edge of the international dateline. And so, so in a sense, if you're, li- if you're listening to this in the United States, I'm speaking to you from the future.
0: This is kind and of weird.
1: Tomorrow this is, is going to be a good day. <laughs> good. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> how is the weather tomorrow? Is that, how does that work for you? Is that- <laughs> Well, it's going to be different in the Southern hemisphere because we're in summer right now, you know, but, uh, if you're listening in the United States or Northern hemisphere anywhere, I'm guessing you're, you're in the winter, but then again, you might be listening to this podcast delayed because it is on demand. You don't have to listen to it live. That is so true. That is a uh, line of conversation. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> hey, we've talked, we've, you've
0: introduced yourself many times in this podcast, but uh, tell us more about you. Tell us more about Grant and,
1: um, and I would, everything Grant norsworthy Wow. Okay. Well, As you've heard, my name is Grant, Grant Norsworthy, and I am an Australian who lived in the United States for 17 years. I used to play bass guitar in some pro, what we might call CCM bands, Christian contemporary music bands, like the Paul Coleman Trio had a season in Sonic Flood as well. That all finished, uh, I want to say about 2008. And um, since that time, I've just presented myself to the Christian church as a speaker, teacher, and a musician. And birthed out of that is a thing called More Than Music Mentor. Where I uh, provide training for the heart and the art of worshiping musicians. That's that's an Australian accent you're hearing there. I'm saying heart and art of the worshiping.
0: <laughs> I will never get tired of that. Jason, I Jason's heard this little gag like
1: 17 times, and he still got he still never
0: and t- never Thank ever you. get tired of that because it's just it's it's the anyway. I just love that you always the hear people and the add art accents. Of the worshiping you, musicians for us, it sounds like you remove the accent. <laughs> And so I don't, I just, I love that. That's, that's how, anyway.
1: I'll take that as a compliment for my, uh, what what I consider to be quite dodgy uh, American accent portrayal. But anyway, I, I moved with my family, wife, Brooke, and three sons to New Zealand, where she is from. And that's where I'm speaking to you from now. I'm based now in Nelson, New Zealand. And uh, yeah, still doing more than music mentor. And I write songs, I record songs. I, but what I love doing is actually, uh, getting in with with teams of church singers, instrumentalists, and technicians, and helping them utilize music more effectively as an expression of worship. That's that's what I do. Yeah, love I
0: love it. it. I love it. That's why I'm asking you to talk today because and and be a part of this conversation because this whole month it's January and we are talking about what is worship as we kind of launch into a yeah. new year and like what does that even mean. What does it look like? You know, we've spent a lot of last year talking about different topics. And um, if you've been following this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that we we don't just do one-off episodes. We do uh, kind of a month long around a certain topic and kind of digest it from different, different perspectives. Um, and so this month, like I said, we're going to talk about and kind of answer the question, uh, what is worship and coming from different worship leaders. And so for you, Grant, um, what do you think? when you hear the word worship, what is, what comes to your mind? um, Kind of like, kind of walk us through a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. It's a great question to be asking. What is worship? Um, It's a question that I've been asking myself for (laughs) 20 years now. (laughs) And I've, I've, uh, I've been hearing that word all my life, which is a lot more than 20 years. Um, But yeah, when I hear the word worship today, 2023, what I think of most is, A great deal of confusion in the Christian church. To be honest with you, like my heart gets heavy when I hear that word, because I think there's great, there's a lot of confusion in the church. Now, the pad answer, you know, and we often think of it as the correct answer, you know, this sort of almost cliched answer. Well, worship is a lifestyle. I've said that myself in interviews when I was in Sonic Flood an interviewer asked me, what is worship? You you know, you say you're in this band, Sonic Flood, that's a worship band singing worship songs, and you're the forefathers of the modern worship phenomenon, says this interviewer. The band did some big things before I joined. Um, what is worship? And I answered, well, worship is a lifestyle. And But I've I got to tell you, Jason, I don't agree with that statement anymore. I don't say that anymore. Yeah. Um, I think I know what people mean when they say that. And it's a good thing. They're thinking, well, every moment of my life is a chance to worship God. Now that statement I would agree with. But what are we, what are we saying? You know, like I think when we, we when we realize that Jesus says, if you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. Give away your life. That's how you find it. When we read in Romans 12:1, the apostle Paul writing, Hey, Worship is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. See, there's that word sacrifice there next to the living. Like it, So there's some death involved with this being a worshiper. And he says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and let that be your spiritual, reasonable, intelligent act of worship. Um, when the Apostle Paul says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me, he's saying, I'm dead. My lifestyle isn't here anymore. My lifestyle has been replaced by the life of Jesus. And actually, here's the beautiful irony. As I lay down my human life, my lifestyle, it can be replaced by the real life that I was created for that's only available to me in Christ. And that's what it means to be a worshiper, laying down my human sinful nature and having that sinful nature be replaced by the actual life of Jesus. This is, I actually get to have by the Holy spirit, Jesus in me flowing through me. And it's actually the, it is my life paradoxically. It's the absence of my life. Is that making any sense? So when I, if I say worship is a lifestyle, I think I'm only capturing half of the paradox, you know, yeah, because the other side of the paradox here is it's, it's, but it's actually not my life. It's my sinful nature dying to be replaced by the, the real life of Grant Norsworthy, which is only found in Jesus, only found as as I carry my own cross. Because the cross is not just what Jesus did for me. The cross is what Jesus requires of me. Right? So in America especially, but all the rest of us as well, we want to turn even the worship of God into a consumer item what do i get out of it what's is it good for me pastors get emails on monday after a sunday service and text messages going i didn't like worship we yep if, i didn't if, get anything out of it it's not it's just not it's not scratching my itches pastor change the singer change the keys make it louder make it softer make it older make it newer make it like i am so sad jason for the church like i love the church the christian church But when I hear the word worship, I feel like, well, that is a word surrounded by which is a great deal of confusion. So in in the life of me, Grant Norsworthy, I think of that confusion. But then I think, well, I've come up with this little statement. Worship is a living death style. Because Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And that is true. But it's not an improved version of my life. It's a replacement. It's a heart transplant. It's no longer my life, but God's life in me. So I've got to embrace both sides of the paradox. I we, have to die to live. It's a, it's a, it's a worship is a living death style. That's what I've come up with. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You
0: talked. You talked a minute ago about uh, being involved in like different CCM bands and stuff, and I yeah. think like so. Is there there? There's two things here. Worship has become the word that overtook a genre. Like so, we yeah. we use the word worship as a genre in music. Yeah, but then we also use the word worship meaning. So I, I think when we when the, the, I love that you said about there's confusion because mm-hmm. um, like worship itself is a genre of music, but in English we don't have a lot of words to explain mm-hmm. what it is that we're doing or saying, and so we use a lot of words to mean a lot of different things.
1: And so, yeah. So cool can be, I like something or it can be a temperature range. Correct. And so, and so so, some people would say, yeah, worship, we use it sometimes to mean this music stuff in our church services, but sometimes we use it to mean uh, something deeper.
0: But I mean, I think the, I think the genre word has overtaken the space of, so when, when people talk about it, we're talking about it in a genre space, as opposed to, deeper which is needs to come back to the surface so that's why i love what you're yeah. saying because it's like yeah we, we've so, lost we've lost it and we're like worship is what you sound like and you're like
1: no that's not actually what what yeah. it means and so yeah i love that but yeah yeah jack and jill congregant might hear the word 99.9 percent of the time to mean a particular activity involving music in a church service yep or something around that and every once in a while i might Excuse me. Here it used in a different way, but you know, I, I'm not telling you, Jason, or your listeners that you should change the way you're using the word worship. But I've got to tell you, when I decided to change the way I use the word worship, trying to use it in a way that I believe is how it's used in the Bible, rather than how my contemporary culture use it yep. uses it. It was it was the trigger or a catalyst. For an enormous amount of positive change in my life uh, that I attribute to me, my sinful nature dying more and more and being taken over by the life of Jesus more and more. You know, um, so yeah, uh, like, can I tell you sort of where it came from? Like, yeah. there are a few things it. that happen. Um, hmm. Had to, yeah. Had to clear my throat there. Might have to do an edit. Sorry, I had it's all good. It's all good. coffee, lurgy. Please take this bit out. Sorry, mate. I'm giving you editor job. Editing job. <laughs> so it seems to me that word usage is important. And when you've when you've lived your whole life in Australia, and then you move to America like I did in two thousand two, you realise there's a bunch of words that you used to say that have different meanings to American ears. And then they're saying things that they're, if you, you know, you don't know what they mean or that, you know, like like a thong in Australia is not the same as a thong for Cisco, you know, <laughs> like you hear these words and you're like, what are they, what, you know, like anyway, so you can't say, uh, you can't say car park anymore like you do in Australia. You got to say parking lot, you know, you, you can't say, autumn, you've got to say fall, you know, there's a whole lot of different words. And so me as an Australian, I realized it doesn't really matter what I think I'm saying. It matters how it's heard. Amen. That's much more important. And that's, that wasn't just so, you know, I could make sense of, you know, Starbucks and subway, you know, how to, how to talk to get an order done. You know, it, it was bigger. It was bigger than, than that. You know, it started overtaking my, my faith journey as well and i realized that wow this this word worship is getting overused and misused really badly especially when i was in sonic flood uh, you know like i'm in a worship band singing worship songs giving people a worship experience but i don't see the word worship used like that in the bible at all mm. ever so one one thing happened or realized that culture the the best way of getting insight into a culture is to listen to how they use words words actually show what's important to people and you can say i know that worship is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice but anyway well, what time's worship practice i'm on the worship team what are the, what worship songs are we going to do you know like you can do that if you like and i can't judge your heart but when i decided to stop doing that and only use the word worship the way i see it used in the bible something started to change for better. So I know I've collected these quotes. You know, there's a guy named Stephen Talbot. He's actually an economist, but he said this, the flood of careless, unconsidered cheap words is the greatest enemy of the profound word. If Mm. you want to swim more deeply into what it really means to worship God, then remove a lot of the clutter of the cheap use of the word and see what happens. Mm. Uh, Changes in language often reflect the changing values of culture. But here's, that's another quote. Um, but here's the killer for me james 126 is a not super well-known bible verse but it says if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue he deceives himself and his religion is worthless Mm -hmm. right so it's not just important to linguistics experts about how we use our words it's also important in the bible like God, God through the Bible says things like our mouths speak what our heart is full of. And um, it's not by what goes into my mouth that I'll be judged. It's by what comes out of my mouth. So these are the sort of verses that are sitting on me when I'm in a quote unquote worship band singing worship songs. yep, People a worship experience. And then I read this James one twenty six, and I'll read it to you one more time, but I'm going to do a switch. Like I'm going to do a translation by, by Grant Norsworthy in a moment. So listen to this James one twenty six. You can look it up. Your version will use the word religion, religious, probably. If anyone considers himself religious and yet not, does not keep a tight round on his tongue, he deceives himself, deceives himself, Jason. You are fooling yourself <laughs> and, and your religion is worthless. But I did some study and I'm not a formal Bible scholar, you know, I just, but I love just mouse clicking at BibleGateway.com, or, you know, some of these things. And there's a Greek word Thresgeia. I might be, Pronouncing it incorrectly. Sorry, I'm not a formal ancient Greek scholar. But, but the Greek word Gaia has been translated for us in James one twenty six as religion and religious. And with a bit more research, I realized that what James is actually writing, and I believe James is inspired by the Holy Spirit as he wrote these words, and they yeah. exist exactly the way they're supposed to for us in 2023. The Greek word Gaia is actually talking about your publicly visible way of showing that you are a worshiper of God. Mm. So what James is actually saying, I think it would sit with us better in 2023 like this, because the word religion's changed in its meaning, hasn't it? Yes. You know, like I don't think of myself as being a religious person. Do you? I don't think nope. many of our listeners think of ourselves as being religious. Nope. So, so the meaning of the verse is very, very shallow to us. You know, we, we hear it like that. And we think, well, maybe I shouldn't tell dirty j- jokes or lie. Maybe I shouldn't cuss. But actually, if you read it like this, it goes deeper. Jason and you and your listeners, see if it goes deeper for you when I do this translation. If anyone considers himself a worshiper, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his worship is worthless. That was ouch! Can you I that that threw me across the room into a wall. Not Absolutely, literally. Absolutely. You know, should. like I just went, why am I walking around going worship band, worship song? I like worship. I don't like worship. There's their worship's better than their worship. Like I am steering my whole life in the wrong direction if I do this. You know? So consider this. James 127, the very next verse is better known. Because it says, um, because pure and perfect worship in the sight of God is hill song. No, doesn't say that actually. Doesn't. That's because not, that, that's perfect, not that. No, no, I misquoted. Pure <laughs> and perfect worship in the sight of God is old hymns. No, it doesn't say that. Pure mm. and perfect worship in the sight of God is southern gospel. Doesn't say that. Pure and perfect worship in the sight of God is when you get a chill down your spine. Doesn't say that. Pure and perfect worship is when you're closing your eyes and raising your hands. Doesn't say that pure and perfect worship in the sight of God is to care for orphans and widows in their trouble and remain uncorrupted by the world and the world that you and I walk in Jason and the world that our listeners walk in is a world that says you're a worshiper. If you were there on Sunday, singing the songs, that's the world we walk in and I don't want to be corrupted by that world, but I love that world. And I want to work within that world and point us towards this. God is asking us to worship him by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, laying down our sinful nature and being fully and completely obedient to him. And he asks us to be his hands and his feet in this earth. He asks us to be the light of the world. We sing at Christmas time, like we just did recently, about Jesus being the light of the world. But Jesus also says this, you, if you are my church, are the light of the world now. You need to be me. You need to be me, not just sing about me, not just talk about me, but be me. Caring for the poor. Care for those who are less fortunate than you. And that is the worship I'm looking for. So excuse my passion here. I'm not no, angry. I'm not anyone, no excusing. Yeah, but no. I am passionate about this. And I am de- deeply aching for the Christian church that uses language like this. I didn't like worship. Did you? Oh, my favorite worship is this. I love worship. I didn't like worship this morning. Like turning the worship of God into a commodity that you and I think we can measure and decide whether it was any good or not. There's only one entity that gets to decide what's truly worshipful, and that is God Himself. That is God Himself. And since Cain and Abel, and that turned out badly, people have wanted to decide what they think God wants to be worshiped with, you know? 100%. So, with that in mind, to you,
0: how would that change if someone's listening right now and they go, "That's amazing!" Like they're just trying to process what you what you just said. Then you go, "My title in my job is a worship leader. So, what does that mean? I should be doing? What does that mean? What what does the, what does the term worship leader mean coming from that definition?" And I, yeah, I'm, I what do you think yeah, about I, that?
1: I I think it's a misuse like uh, it's a misuse of the word worship to call someone a worship leader, in my opinion. And I've heard that there was a struggle a number of years ago where people started saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the lead worshiper. Yeah. Well, and I think that that thought came from a good place in someone's heart somewhere, you know, like, but I I think that can also mislead leaders because it's still too closely linked to music, you know? So if, if every moment of every day offers me a chance to either be a worshiper or an idolater, then I'm hoping that everything I do is becoming more and more worshipful to God and less and and less idolatrous. Right? So, so I don't think of myself as being a worship leader, quote unquote. Yeah. I think that, I think that it's only an encounter with God that transforms an, an idolater into a worshiper. So if there is a worship leader, it's only Jesus, you know? Yep. Like, so, But I have found, and here's the irony, Jason. I have found that armed with a guitar and a microphone and some well-chosen songs, I can get a group of people singing together as an expression of worship, one of the expressions of worship. Is it worshipful to God? I have a strong sense that it is worshipful when the people of God come together and sing prayers to him, sing praises, sing declarations of truth about God together. I'm, I'm convinced that it is worshipful, but I'll leave it to God to measure that. So I would say I lead sung worship or I lead congregational singing as an expression of worship. It's a lot more words, but it sits a lot better with me. You know, but Mm -hmm. I want to continue to use those words like this. You know, I want to say, but I want to record this podcast as an expression of worship to God. I would say, I want to keep my marriage vow as an expression of worship to God. You know, even, even when my wife's not in the room, I want to keep my marriage vow. Even when I'm away on the road in a hotel room and feeling lonely and feeling sad and feeling misunderstood. And I've got a laptop. I still want to worship God there too. Amen. Amen. You know, because, because no one told me that when I was in Sonic Flood. No, I, I, I was told the worship was that buzzy feeling we all had for an hour and a half, hour 45, we're on the platform. You know, and but my, my appreciation for that hour and a half on the platform or whatever it is now has gone up, not down. I think I think this musical expression of worship is actually more important. I think we've cheapened it, actually, by calling it worship. See, the, the word worship is only used in the Bible, as far as I can tell, as a verb. So it's a it's a, it's a thing that people do or they don't do. And if I was going to, and you can find it technically as a noun as well, but we're working through our very, very limited English language. This is what I, f- I feel like we should be thinking. To worship God is uh, a, a, a verb, a doing word. So it's, and it's to show the worth of God. In fact, the word worship 300 years ago didn't exist in the English language. It was said as worth Originally, it was only a verb, but most commonly people hearing it today as an adjective, worship band, worship leader, worship service, worship experience. And that, I think, cheapens what it means to worship God. It, re- it reduces what it means to worship God. So I don't stop people calling me a worship leader. You know, I get booked all the time. Will you lead worship. I'll yep. just say, yes, it's not, that's not the platform to try and correct people. And, and my, my decision to change the way I use the word is quite personal, you know, like fresh out, like fresh out of the revelation, maybe 15 years ago, I was trying to correct people all the time. And I just, I just annoyed people, you know, <laughs> I've given up on that, not given up so much as realized that that perhaps wasn't. Everyone's like, a- there goes Grant again, talking and talking. Yeah, yeah right. there he goes. <laughs> and I had friends cause I had friends go, yeah, I was leading worship. Oh, Grant, I know you don't like it when I say that. And oh, it's like geez. no, it's not that. I this is my personal decision. It's my conviction. Yep. And I and I, I don't mean like I've, I've been you know sent to jail conviction. Like I have a strong sense this is from God in the life of Grant Norsworthy. Change the way you use the word. But there's a so there's a reason there's a reason why I wanted you to start the year off with our
0: with this season because I think yeah. it's important because I also I I love this. Um, because I think it's always good to uh, one as a as a um, somebody who uh, leads the leads music on a weekend, um, somebody who leads the worship um, yeah. time and, at a church, and, and, it, and it feels a like weekend. a
1: horrible cheapening if you say lead music, doesn't it? Right, you know, like, like that feels cheap. Ugh. No, I understand. But so- that. It's not just karaoke. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. That's right. Yeah.
0: No, but as somebody who does that, it's it's. I think it's always good to to check and make sure that you are. Uh, you're actually doing what it is that you're called to be, to, you're called to do and not just filling a role or checking a box to say, we sang some songs today. You know, are you actually, are you actually bringing people to a place? Are you using, are you using music as an expression of worship or uh, has it just kind of, we fall into this, into this pattern and into this routine where, uh, you know, years go by and you, you don't think about how important uh, words are i have three very literal daughters and their the words are uh are very uh they're they're like it's you have to explain things sometimes to them where i'm like yeah you didn't understand what i meant when i said that and, well no you said you know the the books uh they're the lover of the books um amelia bedelia where she was very she was she was a very literal if they said mm-hmm. like go pitch a tent and she's a picture of her like throwing a tent and she's like yeah. go hit go hit the road and she's actually like hitting the road or like yeah. you know dress the turkey and you're uh, like that's you know she's metaphor. actually yeah she's, yeah and so she <laughs> like they it's been interesting for me as a dad to kind of come at words and go i have to actually check myself to make sure like what do i what are the words that i'm saying and are they actually making sense and are they uh are they translating into their ears um and this mm-hmm. is one that i've always sat back to go man we're not there's too many definitions of the same word and um yeah what is the actual beginning of that word and why do we use it and uh coming back to again why we why we do what we do and there's a group of people taking steps every weekend to make sure that we're we're actually actively helping point people to jesus and right. um that's what i've i started for a long time ago uh just I used to say with in a, in a group of worship leaders I out with just to say like, happy pointing day. Like we're just going to go point people to Jesus and get out of the way and um, using music as the, as the Avenue
1: to get yeah. there. So yeah, I love this. Well, and you know, the, the, my, my, my internal personal measurement of the value of music as an expression of worship has gone way up, not down since I changed the word usage. Yeah. In, in fact, I would say um, that it's only in the context of a life surrendered in worship that the the activity of sung worship takes correct focus and becomes as important as it should as it should. Um, yeah. Like my mother used to use the word worship as a noun. You know, worship was an event. It, it was a thing that happened. Go to worship yeah. at eight thirty or eleven and seven p.m. And we need to be at least at two of those you know but if it went over time man she was annoyed you know <laughs> yeah. so so worship to was this event um you know love your mum, but uh that that was a bit misleading for me as a little little kid i heard that and it was like so my chance to show how worth it worth it god is is only at these particular times in this building with this activity right um and we don't believe that's true, but we use the language and it, we've got to think about how it's heard rather than what we mean when we say it. Because we've got people listening to this podcast. Now, you're passionate about the worship of God, you know, but you've got to think about how it's heard by people who hear you speak when you've got a microphone, especially uh, when you use the word rather than just. But but I would say there is this, this aspect of it. It could be shifting how things happen in your heart. You know, our mouth speak what our heart is full of. I can't measure that. But, you know, give it a go. So. I got a Facebook message from a woman a few years ago. I did, I did an event in Virginia and she had brought her 16 year old daughter along. And she sent me this glowing Facebook message. She was so thankful for the event. She said, cause my daughter at your event, it was the first time she worshiped. And I asked her what she meant. And she actually meant that her daughter had raised her hands and closed her eyes during some of the songs. Um, I was coaching a guy not far from my home here. His partner, from a really conservative church and and a non-musical pastor said, look, we've got this young guy, 20 something year old guy, good looking, great voice, very talented. But when he leads worship, the pastor's words, no one's singing. Can you watch the video and tell me what's going on and give him a phone call. So I watched the video. I could tell straight away, you know, he's a high tenor. He's choosing keys where no one in the room can sing with him. Just a few of the women. And uh, so I speak to him and I said, uh, Hey, your pastor's open to give you a call. Would you consider changing the key so that everyone, including the men in the room can sing with you? And he said these words, I can't change the key. If I'm not singing that high, I can't worship. So I, I sat down with a buddy of mine not long ago and we had lunch together and he was really bent out of shape. He's saying some of the songs my church is singing are just not worship. And I said, well, what do you mean? And after a bit of conversation, I realized that he only considered songs that referred to God in the second person, you as worship but anything that says something like i surrender all or i raise a hallelujah that's not worship that's you singing about yourself so everyone's got their i i would i would suggest this listener if you say to your team of singers instrumentalists and technicians uh you're the worship team these are worship songs worship starts at 10 30 and we're gonna like they don't know what you mean or well, there might be seven different meanings for what you mean. Like, what needs to be achieved in the room for this worship to happen? Well, I I, I think that, that one of the reasons why we're so confused in the church is we're all tugging in different directions. Yep. You know, some people are like, well, we've got to have everyone raising their hands to worship. We better be correct theology if it's going to be worship. It better agree with my idea if it's worship. You know, like, so I've come to this. The Bible tells us to sing together. Sing together, Ephesians 5.19, uh, Colossians 3.16, most of the Psalms, a few other places, and not many of these verses, by the way, use the word worship, but they all say, hey, gather together and sing. So I consider myself a leader of congregational singing. It's an important expression of worship. It's one of the ways we within in the Christian church decide that we want to show the worth of God. But the worship that I want to point to continues after my songs are finished. And as we leave the auditorium and the rubber hits the road of a worshiper, as we care for the poor, that's, that's where I'm at. Amen. Amen. Hey, so uh,
0: awesome. This is so good. I just, I, my, my hope is that people listen to this and it just sparks thought and um, giving, giving little, little pieces of wisdom to just chew on and uh, digest and think about how, you know, the words that come out of your mouth. And if you're sitting there driving somewhere or or uh, sitting at a coffee shop listening to this or whatever, wherever you're at, um, I hope that uh, you wrote something down or took some notes or you have something to walk away from uh, that's just going to help you uh, digest and be better at what you do. Um, and then, um, uh, and then um, as we wrap up today, as we wrap up today, I wanted to ask a question. Um you know you know how I like to wrap up podcasts yeah talking about food and uh-huh. so um so I've never I want to know if I was coming over to your house for dinner what am I eating like tell <laughs> tell me what I'm eating we sit down you've answered a lot of my food questions over the over the last year like a couple of years but like what are well, we what,
1: what what are we eating well i i i we need to ask my wife that because if you're coming over if we really want to impress you and we would want to not impress you in that human sense, but if we wanted to give you a great experience, you're not cooking. (laughs) My wife's cooking. I'm not cooking. (laughs) I've got a pretty, I'm pretty handy, but I'm got a limited repertoire, but we're going to leave it to Brooke. And you know what? One thing we're kind of, well, one of the advantages of the United States cuisine is you have this amazingly culturally rich country, Mexico, just to South of you. And they bring a lot of their food Mm. in and the Mexican cuisine is great. Now, in New Zealand, we don't have Mexico that close, so the Mexican here is not great. But I've got a feeling if you're coming over, Brooke's gonna bring out like build your own tacos.
0: Oh yeah, and that's it's
1: gonna jam. be great because we lived in America for 17 years and we caught the bug of that wonderful cuisine when it's, it's done a, well.
0: That's my jam right there. <laughs> oh, you, it's gonna be great, Jason.
1: You can't. I've never had a taco in my hand
0: in bed upset. Like it's just a good. <laughs> like you, you never. It's never bad. Like you're never like. Oh, I'm having a bad day eating a taco. Like they're just good. Yeah, they're all they're just good. I love it. Jen,
1: and you know what? I've I've decided this. It, yes, it, there's all flavors and stuff like that. But I love the simultaneous experience of crunch and gushiness. It's in true. One bite. Oh. It's, oh, it's good. That's a good. you that, know, the, I love the that guacamole definition. and the sour cream with the crunchy taco shell. I'm. I mean, some people love soft taco shells, but I love crunchy taco shell. Yeah. I love it.
0: Hey, how do we, how, how do we connect with you and more than music mentor and oh. all, all of those things. Tell, t- tell us about how we connect.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there's more than music more than music There's also grant GrantNorsworthy.com grant <laughs> is my websites. And the email address from those sites comes actually to my inbox. I'll see it. And uh, that'd be great. Connect with me. I love it. Yeah. And New Zealand's not too far away. I come to the US from time to time, you know. Yes, I love to come and spend some time with your team. That's,
0: let's let's do that. that. Sounds like a great plan. That sounds like a great plan. And then we you should do that. We should have tacos. Oh, that please. sounds like we'll make that happen. Can awesome. I start at your house? <laughs> Absolutely. I was, and we're gonna we your favorite taco place. I got lots of them. Oh. Uh, that's amazing. Awesome guys, I appreciate you hanging out today and uh, um, and being a part of this and. Again, welcome to season two, and we're excited about uh, the conversations that we're going to continue to have. So we will see you guys next week.